Good morning, everyone. Welcome to TY Hub um, <laughs> Live. Today we're doing a live webinar with the wonderful RNLI on um, water safety. So if you're watching this through the TY Hub app, you'll be able to chat in the comment box that's beside us. So just ask the teachers if you have any questions at all, just to pop it up there. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can do the same thing. Just pop in a comment and it will come up here and we will surely get back to the, all the questions throughout the, the webinar. At 11 o'clock, we will be taking a short break um, just to allow for some class changeovers for, with teachers and take a short little break for yourselves. Um, and during that time, we will be showing a little video on 200 years of the RNLI. Now, if you're ready and you're comfortable in your seats for the next hour, I'm going to introduce you to Killian and Finn from the RNLI. Hello, Fiona. Morning. <laughs> morning. <laughs> morning, guys. Um, so all the students here are from all across Ireland and they're ready to have a listen and in get get involved in the uh, mapping out of the buoys. Great. Well, boys. well um, <laughs> first of all, hello, everyone. Um, I'm going to share my screen in a few minutes to do a little bit of a PowerPoint. But before we do that, I have... I have a quick task for every school, if that's all right, if they could just put into the chat bar there either the address of their, of their school or the nearest swimming location to the school or the nearest body of water. So it doesn't matter whether you're inland in Ireland or whether you're on the coast, the nearest place that students would go jump pier jumping or they go swimming in a lake, just drop it in the chat there. And the reason I'm doing that <coughs> is I'm going to pull up Google Maps um, as part of this webinar today. And we're going to just have a quick look at all the uh, waterways that uh, people can go swimming at. I especially want to look and see where people go swimming inland. Um, believe it or not, in Ireland, about 60% of all our drownings every year are actually inland. So even though we're the Ornelay and people would associate us mostly with um, the coast, we actually have four Ornelay uh, stations inland. We have two up in um, Upper and Lower Loch Erne, and then we have one in Loch Ree, which I'm sitting in today, down in Athlone, and then we have one in Loch Derg. Um, so we're the charity that saves lives at sea, and in a few minutes I'm going to talk through a little bit about... Um, a little bit about the charity and how it's structured to give you kind of a preference, a preference of how it works. But what I really want to do is um, is take a look at some of the swimming areas around Ireland. So Finn or Fiona or Ellie, who's helped me there, if there's any comments going, will you let me know? But in the meantime, I'm just going to um, just going to go into present mode here. So let me just check technology. So we've already got a few schools. Uh checking in there and letting us know where they are so just give them a little bit of time great um do you want to shout out uh, one of them to me yeah so we have arclow by the sea in wicklow and then we have dungarvan um also by the sea we have ross's uh ross's point in Sligo, strand hill beach in sligo um and right, let's, go to, let's go to arclow first so zooming in there uh, Arklow on the east coast. Um, just for you can see that fine, Fiona and Finn. Yeah. Yeah, I've just added it yeah. there. So. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so just for reference, there's Dublin. We're going down south towards Wexford, and this is Arklow. Um, and we actually have a lifeboat station in Arklow. I'll see if I can find it. There it is. There, look. Uh, that's our Ornalai lifeboat station there. It's one of many lifeboat stations we have on the East Coast. Um, so the East Coast, I wonder that person who put it in, where do people swim? Um, I have Arklow South Pier, uh, and I know that there's lots of beaches and lots of options around there. Um, so this is the East Coast of Ireland. So if I zoom out, you'll see just over here is Wales. So quite a narrow, can you follow my cursor there? Quite a narrow, what we call reach. So quite a narrow distance between Arklow and the next big landmass, which is Wales there. If I quickly zoom out and flip over to, let's say, you mentioned Ross's Point, Fiona, didn't you? So Ross's Point is here in Sligo. If I zoom out from Ross's Point, 
you can see that the uh, quite a lot of ocean there between Ross's Point and the um, uh, Newfoundland Canada there as it is. Um, the, the reason I show you that is the sea around Arklo is generally more sheltered than the sea around Ross's Point, just to use those two examples. So the East Coast is generally more sheltered. That doesn't always mean it's it's uh, safe. And it's one of the things I want people to start thinking about on, on this webinar is thinking about where am I going swimming and is it safe to go swimming? So in on big picture or big map as it is, uh, the East Coast would have less waves on it than the West Coast simply because there is less sea there. There's less uh, area for the waves to get uh, big and to hit it. So if anybody lives on the West Coast, They'll be used to seeing, especially in the winter, massive big storms hitting the West Coast. You don't get that on the East Coast. But what you do get on the East Coast is what I call short, sharp waves that would hit into Arklow and indeed uh, further up to Dublin here up in Wicklow. Um, you get these short, sharp waves, which actually can be quite dangerous in themselves. And one of the things we've experienced on the East Coast is it's so calm for most of the year, people don't expect it. To have waves but a couple of times in the winter it will have these short sharp steep waves that uh, what are what we call a shore dump in other words the waves are breaking right onto the shore and can be very dangerous so even on the east coast which is a bit more sheltered um definitely uh, you need to be careful there um is there any more fiona with ross's point any more from around the country So I have, this is Ross's point here. I'm I'm from myself and Finn, both live in Bandoran. I'm from Bandoran just up the road. So I know this uh, this uh, beach really well. This is a lovely beach, Ross's point. And um, another location that has a lifeboat in it. If I zoom in, we should see a lifeboat somewhere here. <laughs> They're not always where they should be on Google Maps, but um, the lifeboat's roughly around there near the uh, sailing club, if I can find it. Oh, it's here. There it is there. There's the Ornalai lifeboat station there in Ross's Point. Uh, it's called Sligo Bay Lifeboat, and this is the beach itself. Um, this is a lovely beach. It's actually quite a sheltered beach. If I just uh, skip into satellite mode, it's quite a flat beach, but as you can see, it has waves on it there and is exposed to the full force of the swell on, on the west coast. Um, this beach is lifeguarded during the summer, and my colleague Finn's going to talk a little bit later about the lifeguards and how all that works. Uh, so during July and August, I believe in Ross's Point, maybe the weekends in June as well, there are lifeguards on, on the beach, um, uh, which makes it quite safe. And it's quite a popular spot for triathlon training and all. Uh, nice beach to swim on, but you do need to check the weather beforehand. Have we any that are coming from inland, Finn or Fiona there? Any schools that mentioned an inland location? I think Finn is having a tech issue. Um, so oh, you're all right, go on. Um, none from inland at the moment, but we do did, did just get St. Columbus College just mentioned the 40 foot in Dublin. 40 foot, actually, that's a good one. Yeah, the 40 foot is one of the most popular ones. That's in Sandy Cove up in Dublin. We just go into it. So... And actually, this is just for reference. This is Dublin. This is Dunleary Pier here, where, again, <laughs> this is like a tour of the lifeboat stations of Ireland. But again, we have a lifeboat station um, at Dunleary Pier. Uh, where is it now? It's it's here. That's it there. It doesn't. It's not named on Google, but that's it. Uh, beside the Royal National, the Royal Irish Yacht Club there. Um, so that's Dunleary, and over here is the 40 foot. Super popular. Again, I'm going to go into um, satellite mode. Um, you always see RT would cover this Christmas Day um, and any swimming events. Um, you could have hundreds of people out at uh, the 40 foot. Just to show you there, uh, 40 foot's kind of almost facing north there. Uh, so on, as, a, as we look at this map, this is northerly up here. Uh, and this is southerly down here. Um, and if you have a northerly wind coming in, the 40 foot can be quite exposed there, especially if you have a northeasterly wind coming in that direction there, be quite exposed. Um, and as I said, you can get those short, sharp waves. Uh, a lot of the time, though, a lot of the year, it's an absolutely beautiful place to swim. Um, if you have wind coming from this direction, coming from the right-hand side of the screen, 
Um, this side is actually more sheltered. And if you've wind coming from the left-hand side, this side's more sheltered. So again, that's a little bit about deciding where you're going to go swimming. Um, I really, really encourage people to go swimming. I think it's one of the great things that came out of COVID a few years ago is loads of people have got into swimming around Ireland and um, I think it's really changed the coastline. But you'll hear us say time and time uh, again, you have to pick the right location. And that location is really dependent on the environment on that day in other words the wind the swell that kind of stuff so just just pick the right location um there will be just to touch on a point i suppose quickly there will be a day where you decide to go swimming on the 40 foot or ross's point or our or somewhere and it's just too stormy and you're just going to have to say no i'm not going swimming today um that will happen every winter that will happen a few times every winter so places like the 40 foot in our on the east coast you will have far more days than, say, Ross's Point on the West Coast where you can swim. But you will have some days where you would have to say no to swimming. Is there any other ones come in, um, Fiona, that are inland? One message to myself there. We have Kildare, Offaly and Cavan. Let's go to Cavan. Cavan has a lot of lakes. So uh, Cavan, County Cavan, right. So... Uh, let's zoom in. Cavan is absolutely full of lakes. Uh, there's a rumour it's 365 lakes. I don't know if that was ever verified. And up in this end of Cavan, you have Belturbet. And in Belturbet, you have the River Urn system coming through. Um, so this is Fermanagh up here. Uh, see, there's the border between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland. That's part of it into Cavan and uh down here, so there's quite a lot of lake systems, and the Urn, the Urn Shannon waterway flows through it as well. Um, if I scoot back over to this part of Cavan here, you literally have lakes everywhere. Um, look, as I said, I do encourage people to go swimming, but it has been shown that when people are isolated, when they're um, away from help, away from normal swimming spots, so like somewhere where you have a jetty and you have ring boys and you have mobile phone coverage, um, you are a lot safer than if you went to one of these remoter locations where there's no jetty, there's no ring boy, there's maybe no phone coverage. If something goes wrong, there's nobody, to, there's no way to call for help. Um, so there's an awful lot of options for swimming in Cavan, but you, you should be very, very careful of the one you pick. We want to be looking for places that are uh, publicly accessible, um, slipways, jetties, um, places where you know the depth, places that have safety signage up, and also uh, places that um, have ring boys on them. Now, later, a bit later on, we're going to cover ring boys. We're going to talk about how you use them and, and what they're for. Uh, ring boys, you've all seen them at piers and uh, rivers and canals. They are um, just those those orange rings. Um, the idea is you throw them in and they allow someone to float. But we'll go into that in a bit more detail. No ring boy, no swimming. That would be the, the, the kind of rule of thumb for that. Um, the other counties you mentioned there to me were Offaly and Kildare, wasn't it? Offaly... And Kildare, yeah. So these are the inland counties. That's awfully too. Um, not as many swimming options as as in uh, as in Cavan, but definitely I'm going to put in Kildare as well. But there's definitely I know uh, the Barrow River goes through Kildare and Atai. So there's definitely a few um, river options in Kildare. I'm just going to pull up. Uh, bear with me, Barrow. River Barrow, there it is there. Yeah, so there's given the River Barrow there in uh, Kildare. I've actually kayaked this, it's a great river, but um, goes all the way down through a tide down to a place called Stamullen, um, uh, on through Kildare. And um, really nice river, but quite fast flowing in certain places, has a lot of weirs and stuff on it. Um, just as a side note, really interesting old technology on that river. There's a lot of locks that are 200 years old. So that old technology before we had our, our nice fancy motorways in Ireland where everyone drives everywhere at 120k. We actually used to transport the goods on the locks. Locks are dangerous in terms of swimming. Um, and people do swim in rivers. People swim in the Boyne River up in County Mead too. But again, you have to be very careful of the location you pick there. And do not, don't ever swim in a fast flowing area. Our advice would be to swim in the lake uh, or the sea instead. So, 
Uh, was there any other specific ones put in, uh, Fiona? Um, not on the inland side of things, but we do have more like around Arcloud, Nuns Beach, uh, South Beach. Nuns Beach in Arclo. I think I know Nuns Beach. I'll just go in directly there. Uh, ones in Bali. There's a few Nuns Beaches, as you can see there. <laughs> the Nuns must have liked swimming. Uh, Nuns Beach, Arclo. Let's see if that brings it up. Ah, that's there. Just north of Arclo, yeah. I have swam there, actually. That's um, whoever put that in. That's quite a steep beach. I think it gets deep quite uh, quick when you go in. Uh, if it's the one I'm thinking of, and I think there's a sandbank a bit further out that might even be the start of the sandbank there. Um, look, again, lovely place to swim, but really, really be careful about the, the weather conditions. On that particular beach, if you see strong easterlies, be very careful. It's probably not going to be a good day to go swimming. Um, doesn't have to be a red or an orange weather warning, by the way, but if you see strong easterlies, um, uh, do do avoid that. Just on the on the, I'm gonna. You've probably hear me use expressions like westerly and easterly winds. I'm gonna zoom out and I'm going to do a little trick here, just because this does confuse people and it's worth learning. When you listen to the weather forecast, um, you will hear the weatherman say westerly or southwesterly. I'm gonna draw a southwesterly wind. So that is a southwesterly wind over Ireland. That would be our predominant wind condition. So if I'd write southwest here, um, basically what that means is the wind is coming from the southwest, okay? Uh, if I did the opposite and it went like this, that would be a northwesterly wind. Um, very important to understand that. And likewise, if I go like this, that's actually an easterly wind, okay? So when I was talking about the East Coast and the the, um, the most dangerous wind condition, I'm actually talking about wind coming from the direction of Wales. I do find that confuses people. And if you get it wrong, you usually have the opposite wind direction than you think. Um, so on the East Coast, you'd be thinking, oh, it's an easterly wind, I'm fine. That means the wind's coming from the East Coast of Ireland. It doesn't. It actually means the wind's coming from the East Coast of Scotland. Um, so that's just a little side I've noticed that uh, uh, can cause a bit of confusion on it. If you are looking to do weather forecast on it, one of the best sites you can use for that, um, which I'll quickly drop in here, is Met, M-E-T, Met.ie. You go for which is just the Met Heron site, and this will give you all the uh, forecast that we go into tomorrow, which doesn't look like a great day. It actually gives you the wind speed down here. Um, and if you start to read this every day and then you look at the weather every day, you start to get a feel of what a good day and a bad day is. This is quite windy. 38, 44, uh, what are we in? Kilometers. So about 22, 23 miles an hour. That's windy. It's not it's not at weather warning level, but it is um, it is actually quite uh, quite windy. So um, I'm going to just show you quickly on Google Maps where I am today. Uh, because I am inland. Where am I at loan? So uh, this is where I am. So again, another lifeboat station. Um, uh, we are just, yeah, crosses the point. So I'm not sure if the lifeboat's uh, logged on it, but this is where the lifeboat is on um, in Athlone. So if I zoom out, this is Loch Ree in the middle of Ireland. Athlone, as you know, is right in the middle of Ireland, and our lifeboat station is up here. Um, so it's, as I said earlier, one of our four. There it is there. It's marked on it. It's one of our four um, inland lifeboat stations. So there's loads of amazing swimming locations around here. There's loads of sheltered little lakes in here, these inner lakes, as they're called here, which are actually navigable down in Athlone. Um, there's loads of places to go, great places to go kayaking and swimming. But again, this is quite a wide stretch of water. So if you have a windy day and you're launching over here, um, if you've wind coming from the westerly or southwesterly direction, it can actually blow you right across the, the lake. Um, so just again, be careful. But unlike a lot of our coast, quite sheltered spots in here where you can swim, even if I bring you up a satellite image here, uh, if you go right into where we are right now, lovely slipway. Um, that's where the lifeboat station is, slipway there, 
you know, these are all really sheltered locations. So when I'm talking about a good swim swimming location, I'm talking about somewhere like this with a slipway, with a car park, with safety information and with uh, safety equipment, the ring boys up there. Um, okay. So if any more drop in, Fiona, you might um, tell me. Um, I'm going to quickly cover a project um, that we did with a TY group up in... Um, up in Dublin. So I actually did this with five uh, different TY groups from five different schools, I should say. Um, and I'm going to share uh, the link in the chat. I'll have to figure out how to do that afterwards, but I'll send the link afterwards. Um, basically, every dot you see here, this is Holt Pier. So again, for context, we're in just outside Dublin. This map was made by TY students and it was, Basically, they went around to all the houses, all the businesses in Holt and distributed copies of this map and they promoted it digitally online. So your school can do a project like this. This is completely free. It's just using Google Maps as a system. And what you do is you go and you click on, um, you click, uh, you go, see the photo over here of the ring boy. You take a photo of the ring boy, you take its GPS coordinates, you enter in the point on the map with the GPS coordinates that you've got from your phone. Uh, all you teenagers know how to do that kind of stuff. And then you upload a photo of the ring boy. And if you do that for every ring boy around the area, you will end up with an entire map of all the safety equipment in that area. Um, a lot of the safety equipment is permanent. I'm gonna talk about in a minute what happens if, if some of that safety equipment goes missing. But a lot of the equipment's actually permanent. So it has their own holder, so you can put it on the map. And I think these yellow ones are actually uh, the signage as well. And then I think further down on this map, uh, we did these yellow ones here. Uh, that was a life jacket sign. And I think we added the AFibs. There they are there, the purple ones. So where there was an AFib in Hope, see there's one. And there's one as well. So you can take your local area. So let's say Arklow or Ross's Point or Atlone. Um, and what you do is as a group of TY students, you can go out, literally take photos of all the safety equipment, record the GPS location, come back and make one map. And then once you have that map made, you can promote that through TikTok, through Snapchat, through Instagram, whatever the 500 apps there are. I can't keep track of the apps these days. Um, and uh, when you do that, then what you're doing is you're also you're learning where your own safety equipment is in your own area, but you're also promoting that knowledge and educating your local community and indeed the other classes in your school. You can do some peer to peer uh, teaching on it. You're educating everyone with where that safety equipment is. Um, that safety equipment, those ring boys, when we use them, that is very much. Um, the example I like to give is it's like wearing a seatbelt in a car. Um, you wear the seatbelt every every day that you get in a car or a bus, but you don't use the seatbelt unless something goes wrong. So if you're in an accident or you have to stop suddenly, the seatbelt is going to protect you and it's going to um, it's going to stop you moving forward um, in an accident. Well, ring boys are the same. They're there all the time on the piers and on the rivers and canals and lakes around Ireland. But we don't use them unless something's um, going wrong, unless someone needs help. In other words, in plain English, unless someone is drowning. Um, so that's when we use a ring boy. But look even just there on Holt Pier, how many ring boys there are and how many different pieces of equipment are in place to um to save people so the county councils have put these all over ireland north and south and um these are everywhere and the council have put them there in case something goes wrong so just think about that that all that equipment is for the day something goes wrong if nothing goes wrong that equipment never gets gets used um so that is a great thing to have and ring boys are one of the best ways to rescue people um then i'll go into it later on we actually do not, one of our messages is do not enter the water after another casualty um, or after a casualty if they're in the water, after someone drowning. Um, if you enter the water, you yourself can end up in difficulty. So we would suggest to use ring boys and we would suggest to ring 999. But we go a little bit, um, a little bit further into that in a few minutes. So just while we're on the topic of ring boys, I, uh, this is the Water Safety Ireland website. 
Um, so you can actually go on to watersafetyireland.ie forward slash ringboys, or you can go on to ringboys.ie uh, directly. And if you spot a missing ringboy, you can actually go in. Let's go for um, Wicklow, and we'll pick Arclow because we were in Arclow earlier. So you pick Wicklow, uh, Arclow, and you can say, what was the name of that beach, Fiona? The Nuns, Nuns Beach or whatever it was. Put it in and you just put a description and say, you know, ring by such and such missing and the date and all. Super important thing to do. Um, if you see a ring boy missing, and I would ask every student listening to this today, if you see a ring boy missing, go on to ringboys.e or go on to the watersafety.e and report it missing. Um, the county council cannot replace that ring boy until they know it's missing. Um, in some areas, um, like the Liffey there in Dublin, we have had issues in the past where antisocial behaviour, where people, basically people at night who are drunk, throw the ring boys in for God knows what reason. I don't know the reason. For fun, I think they do it. But um, what that means is that the ring boys are not available then um, if something happens. And indeed, a uh, person entered the water in Liffey a number of years ago, and when they did the coroner's, uh, coroner's court um, inquest into the drowning, uh, one of the things that was mentioned was the missing ring boys. And actually, what they've done up in the Liffey, if we've any Dublin schools uh, listening, Fiona, there is, what they've done is they've put a sensor on the ring boy. So when you lift the ring boy out of its holder, it triggers a sensor. So the county council know that that ring boy has been uh, removed. The county council knowing that ring boy has been removed is not the same thing as the county council instantly replacing it because that could happen at two in the morning and it may not be replaced. So just any students, if you see a ring boy missing, so you see the ring boy holder, um, but there's no ring by in it, go onto this website. You can do it on your phone. It's all free, uh, put in the details, and I think it might even allow you to upload a photo. Um, do that and report it, and you could save a life. If you look at any of the stands that hold ring boys around Ireland, it's uh, it, they have a little sticker on it that says, stolen ring boy, stolen life. So never, never play with them. Never use them unless someone's in difficulty, and always report them if you, if you, um, if you see them missing. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm just going to briefly talk a little bit about the RNLI when when I'm going to hand over to Finn um, in about 20 minutes and Finn's going to literally go through our safety messaging um, in detail using a PowerPoint but I just want to briefly talk about the RNLI and who we are and also what we can do for you so first of all, RNLI, Royal National Lifeboat Institution. Uh, it's our birthday soon. On the 4th of March, we're 200 years old. I know I know, I don't sound it or look it, but we're 200 years old on the 4th of March. So we have a great legacy of life-saving over the last 200 years. Our organization is the entire of the UK and the entire of Ireland. So we're the UK and Ireland. Um, and... Um, it's a voluntary run organization. So of the 47 lifeboat stations we have in Ireland, all of them are crewed by volunteers. So some some schools are in our local, in the local area, uh, like Arklow and Ross's Point there, and indeed at Lone where I am. Uh, some of those schools will probably know people who volunteer in the lifeboat. So our crews do not... Um, sit in a lifeboat station, I guess like I am today. They don't sit in a lifeboat station and wait for an emergency to happen. They just go about their normal job. We have taxi men, we have uh, paramedics, we have teachers, we have bankers, we have everybody from every walk of life um, involved in the RNLI. And when you ring 999, when anyone rings 999 and asks for help for, um, for somebody in difficulty at sea or on the water, uh, what happens is we use a pager system. So basically the Coast Guard would page um, Arklow lifeboat crew, for example, and say there's a person in difficulty off Nuns Beach. And what we would do is all the lifeboat crew in Arklow would go down, get into their gear, uh, which is very much like the gear, the, the guy in the middle wearing the, the two in the middle, wearing the yellows, as we call them, the yellow and black outfits. That's our all-weather gear. That's our gear that keeps us... Um, dry when we go out in the boat so we have to get in that gear and we have to get on the boat and we have to launch the boat the time from when the coast guard tell us to go we call it task 
the time from when they task us to go to the time to when our boat leaves the pier, hits the water as such and leaves the pier. That is what we call our launch time. So I want you to think about this for a second. Our launch time is 10 minutes. 10 minutes is what we have committed to. So even if you see someone in difficulty and they are 100 meters from the bottom of the slipway that there happens to be an RNLI lifeboat at, it will still take us 10 minutes to get to that person because we have to get to the station, get into our gear, get the boat launched, and then get out. So being rescued by the lifeboat is not instantaneous. We're not, we're not going to be there within one minute. It's going to take time. And the reason I mention that is, and this is where you come in, the decisions you make. For example, if you go out in a boat um, this summer and you're not wearing a life jacket, that means you have less time if something goes wrong. So when you wear a life jacket, it buys you time. It keeps you afloat. It keeps you on the surface. And we as a lifeboat crew, as a voluntary lifeboat crew going out, we want to be picking up people. We don't want to be recovering a body, not to sound too dramatic. So the decisions you make are very important on that. And also, and Finn will touch on this later, is if you are going anywhere on the water, you should have some means of calling for help. That can be a mobile phone. It can be a VHF radio, whatever it is. But don't go out on the water and not have a way to call for help if something goes wrong. Nobody plans. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, today I must call the lifeboat. That's kind of not how it works. What happens is um, something goes wrong and then people have to do it in an emergency. So I guess one of the things I'm getting you to think about or two main points I'm getting you to think about in terms of this presentation is actually um, you should have a means to float. So that's like a life jacket and you should have a means to call for help. So that can be a mobile phone. And in fact, you can put a mobile phone in a waterproof pouch and then you can put it in a pocket in, in your life jacket. If you're getting serious into sailing or boating, you might have a VHF radio. Sometimes the swim groups just use a whistle. But always be thinking, I'm going on the water. What's my plan if something goes wrong? Um, hopefully nothing will go wrong. Hopefully you'll have made the right decision on the day. And um, if, you, if, uh, if you do need help, you have a way to call us for help. Uh, quickly for the teachers and indeed for the students in the room, if you go on to our, so if you just Google RNLI, you'll get to our homepage here. I'm just going to quickly show you, if you go in under education here, there is a fountain of resources. Um, Ellie, who's part of our support team from our headquarters over in Poole in England, is actually on the call too. And um, we have amazing resources in here. And we also do educational visits. So we have about 130 people around Ireland who will come out and actually visit your schools. Um, there are water safety volunteers. Um, and we also have activity sheets and posters that you can print. Um, but up at the very top here, if you go into education resources and take a look, what it actually does is um, it breaks it down per age group. So you're all TUI students, you're all falling into the 14 to 18 year old um, age bracket here, but you can download any of these. So I'm I'm live on our website. I haven't any special login or anything. I'm just going into the age bracket that you fall into as TUI. And we have some great programs in here. This Rewind program is one about a girl who falls in at a reservoir. Um, uh, a reservoir or a quarry, very dangerous locations to do anything at. She gets separated from her friends. It has a social media element in it and what people were posting. That's a great one that you can go do yourself afterwards. Um, it's called Tale from the Edge Rewind. Uh, this is a good one too, Risky Business. We have some of the slides from it in our presentation that Finn's going to do afterwards. Um, and there's all sorts in there. So you, you can go into any one of these. If I go into, for example, I'll go into... Um, uh, Tales from the Edge, just click on it. And when you go in there, you can actually just uh, download it there. Um, we have a Welsh version and an English version. So you can just download it there and uh, go through it. You don't actually need an RNLI person to do it. And there's even notes there that describes uh, for the teachers, um, kind of teaching notes that assist you in delivering that. But the student can also go in as well. And all that information is all open source and all free. And it's right on our website. If you just Google Ornalai and just find the section that says education. 
Um, you can also request a visit certain times a year, not uh, not in December, January, but in the rest of the academic year, you can request a visit so you can book that or you can contact myself and Finn. We'll share our contact details later. And then these are great with the younger kids if you're having the activity sheets um, and all sorts of, uh, I suppose, all sorts of different little projects we get involved in. We have a good women in engineering section. We also have a section on our website about apprentices and stuff too. So you can actually work with the RNLA um, as an apprentice and train as an apprentice because we build we build our own boats in our own factory over in um, Poole in the south of England. Um, so that website is a super good resource uh, for people to do. You don't even have to record the um, the 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 URL or whatever because I literally what I do and I like to show people this is, is as simple as this. You just type ORNLI and it will come up. Um, there it is there. And when you go in. At the moment, when you go in, our homepage looks like this because we're celebrating our 200 years. And then down here, there's a little orange button, which I can't press because you're, um, you're, because the sharing icons above it. But the little orange button at the bottom, you press and it brings you into the website uh, proper. Um, so that's great. Now, um, bear with me one second. I'm going to go out of all of these things for one sec. And uh, I'm going to go into the PowerPoint. How are we doing on uh, time there? We're okay, aren't we, um, Finn? We're 20 to 10, yeah, 20 yeah. to 11. Um, Killian, just to, I just shared the link there for the RNLI uh, education um, in the Great. comments section. Do you want me to share the mapping link as well? Yeah, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll send it over to you. I'm just a bit weary of going out of the, uh, going out of this, the system so um um uh, just give me one second and see if i can i think i might have to to do that feeling i might have to stop sharing i don't want to stop sharing so yeah, yeah i like actually, to share <laughs> you, you did send it to me in the email so i'm gonna just yeah 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 well uh, or finn or myself will drop it in uh yeah, drop perfect it in well, any any links that are mentioned throughout this anyway it'll be up on the rnli page on the web on ty hub yeah. Uh, as well so when this this is all be lovely recorded and shared afterwards so in underneath the description we'll have all the links yeah um so give me one second here now to as usual my mouse will not pay um give me one second sorry my mouse has decided to just stop working <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to display like that. Sorry, I can't make it big screen. It's to do with the sharing. Um, no, it won't do it because we're sharing. It's all right. I can. Can you still see that, Fiona? All right, there. It's done. Leary life photo. up. Yeah, you, you're uh, clicking through the slides there, Killian. Yeah, you're all good. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, so sorry i can't make it bigger there i can't get it to go full screen because just the way we're sharing at the moment but the oh there i got it to work um this is our dunleary lifeboat there um see the 14 on the side of it that means it's 14 um 14 meters long this is what we call an all-weather lifeboat you can see um you can see actually uh the uh the famous uh, smokestacks in the background there down at Pulbeg in dublin um this is in Dunleary. We have two boats. We have this, and then we have a small five meter D class boat. So that's just to give you a feel of of uh, our equipment and what's on the coast and what can go out. As I said, we have forty seven stations in Ireland, but the Dunleary one has is what it's called a dual station. Has two boats. So it's an inshore boat, which is great for getting into little small coves, and then it has um, it has this the all weather boat. Um, I, earlier on, I said we had 47 stations in um, Ireland. We actually have 238 lifeboat stations around the UK and Ireland. So if you added up every single one of those dots, you would get 238. And this also shows the different boats we have, including our newest all-weather boat, which is actually called a Shannon. It's named after the River Shannon, uh, which is an amazing boat, which I wish the Ornley would give me for uh, my station in Bedorn, but uh, that hasn't happened yet. But it is literally like the space shuttle. It's fly-by-wire. You drive it by a joystick. It's brilliant. Um, 
So the yeah, it's a very big organization, 35,000 volunteers over the UK and Ireland. Uh, we have boat crew, we have fundraisers, we have water safety people like myself, Finn and Ellie, and we have public relations, we have media people, um, huge organization with great training and great resources there. Um, for all the young people listening, when you turn 18, you can join the RNLI. Um, you do, to be operational on a boat, you do need to be relatively close within a few minutes of a lifeboat station. So those... The, the, that school from Ross's Point and from Arklow, you're very close to a lifeboat station, but you can see on the map there um, where all the lifeboat stations are and how that works. Um, so yeah, that's just a little bit about that. Now, um, this is more or less covered on our website, ornlight.org forward slash safety, our youth education. I already brought you into the website. My advice, just go ornlight into Google. And then in the drop-down menu, pick the education section because everything is um, everything's already in that section, and you can download from there. Um, but these on our left-hand side here, these are our key four safety messages. So if you're to ask us, what are our four safety messages? They're stop and think, stay together, float, and call nine nine nine. Now, as Finn goes through the PowerPoint of the actual safety messages over the next hour. Um, we will we will dive into a bit of detail on some of them, especially one I would emphasize for young people is stay together. You're all teenagers now. You're all at TY age, 16, 17. Um, you don't go to the beach with your mom and dad. You go with your mates. You go with your friends. And if you did that rewind workshop that I showed you on our website, that's all about young people your age going, having fun together. But when you go near water, you need to plan for going near water and i'm not talking about going into water i'm talking about going near water obviously if you're going into water you need to plan a whole other level uh if you're going out in a boat you need a life jacket i talked about having a phone with you checking the weather and all that but even if you're going playing football or hurling or whatever it is beside a water course you need to think ahead for the um you need to be thinking about staying together and making a plan but finn will dive into a little bit uh a little bit of detail on some of them as we go through the powerpoint uh one of the 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 last key message there is call 999 i'm going to put emphasis on call i know i grew i was born in the 70s so i didn't grow up with a mobile phone i know there's a little bit of reluctance of people to actually pick up the phone and ring if you see somebody in difficulty you are calling 999 and um, you don't have to make a decision when you call 999 um, you have to make a report. So if you see somebody in difficulty and you're not sure they're in difficulty, you don't have to make a decision. You can still call 999. I'm at Arklo Nuns Beach and I see somebody and they look like they're struggling. Um, doesn't matter if they're struggling or not, the lifeboat will come out or the Coast Guard, we will come out and, um, and check on them. The reason we do that is we are far, we far prefer be on the way when somebody's in difficulty in water than to be sitting back in the lifeboat station or indeed not even be in the lifeboat station and it, and then we're too late to rescue someone. So we we are a charity. As I said earlier, we're the charity that saves lives at sea. We would far rather be on the way. And unfortunately, when somebody gets into difficulty in water, it tends to escalate. It tends to get worse. Basically, uh, water usually moves. Uh, currents, winds, tides, they all move. So if somebody gets into difficulty, they're not going to be where they uh, where they were when you called in 999. 10 minutes later or 15 or 20 minutes later when we get there, they're going to have moved and it can be even more difficult um, uh, to find them and indeed help them, which if you think about it is very different than what happens on land. God forbid if somebody has an incident, if somebody falls in the schoolyard or you know, on the way to school um, and hurts their leg, uh, you call an ambulance, that person is going to be in the exact same location um, when the ambulance arrives. Um, that's the difference between emergencies at land and emergencies at sea. Everything is moving in water and that creates a challenge for us. Call, always call, make that call early and you do not have to make the decision. Let the people on 999 make that decision. If somebody's in difficulty of water, in water, you will, um, you will, ask for the coast guard but don't worry they'll talk you through all the different um all the different options on it so um finn is that all right if we go i know we're only 10 minutes away from the break but um is that all right if we go to the powerpoint proper there for you to 
talk through it. Yeah, I'll uh, let you. Killian has to go attend to uh, visitors at the lifeboat station that he's currently at at the minute. So uh, I'll take over. Thank you very much, Killian. I think I think um, I've stopped sharing there. It's hard to tell you. Tell me, Fiona and Finn, have I? You have, Killian. Thanks so yeah. much for the first no, hour, no and best of yeah. luck with your visitors at the Athlone station. No bother. And thanks. Thanks for everyone for listening to me there and uh, keep the questions coming. If I can jump back on in a few minutes, I will. I'm actually meeting the Gardaí and the Road Safety Authority and the Fire Brigade here at Lone Station today. So I'm, I'm double booked. <laughs> so, but I'll leave you with Finn and Ellie. Um, thank you very much. No problem. Thanks a lot. Okay, guys. Um, can you see a slide that says risky business there? And uh, somebody staring over the edge of the abyss. Fiona, can you see that on my uh, on the screen? Silence. Can you not hear me? Um, yes. No, it's there. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, well, I'll carry on from here, guys, and we'll run up into uh, eleven o'clock, at which point you'll take your five-minute break. So. The reason why we are here speaking to you today is because young people are our high risk group, because we know when we analyze our figures from uh, water related incidents or deaths, drownings, um, and even across the world, we see that young people are particularly affected, um, particularly young males. Um, so much so that the World Health Organization has drowning amongst youths as a priority to prevent that because it's one of the leading causes of death in that 16 to 25 age cohort because if you think about it at your age you're very healthy people okay you're not affected by long-term illnesses and um, something traumatic in your life is going to come from an accident and where we see that a lot of the accidents are in water and Killian has alluded to it earlier, water is unlike land, okay? If something happens to you on land, you have a bit of time, okay? Your life isn't at threat unless you've had a really serious traumatic injury, whereas something in the water, when it happens, if you have a minor medical event, that can escalate quite quickly because you need all your faculties to be able to survive in water. So think about when we talk to our close at 12 o'clock i'm going to be teaching you survival skills okay because in water we can't survive unless we apply certain principles and certain physical techniques now risky business is the headline there um risk taking is what we deal with the effects of whenever we're called out OK, it's good to take risks in life. Um, you know, that, that opens up our world to new experiences. Um, traveling is a really good example of that. You know, uh, traveling both within our own country and abroad really helps broaden your mind. New experiences, meeting new people. Those are all really good things. OK, if we want to embark on a new career, so maybe we have to take a risk and we're changing our career or we're studying a subject we've never studied before we're taking up a new activity um taking up a new art form uh learning a new language you know these are all things that will uh, enhance our life and um, there's a little bit of risk because we're venturing into the unknown but we kind of go well you know what uh the this is going to improve our lives so much that's worth taking that little bit of risk for and actually the risk isn't that great okay it's when we think about is there a threat to life you know, mostly we can redu reduce that risk right down and go like, well, yeah, look, you know, if I if I travel to, let's say, Australia, which is a pretty safe country, if I look up, do a little bit of research, know where I'm going, um, I've reduced the risk to my life, you know, pretty much down to minimal, and it's worth taking that risk, okay? Where we have the other end of the scale is, as you can see on the this slide here, somebody has sat over the edge of a cliff looking down, there's turbulent water underneath, there's loads of rocks, there's loads of danger underneath there. And you kind of have to say to yourself, well, what am I actually getting from this? Um, 
you know, risk versus reward. Okay, I've got that momentary thrill of sitting on the edge of the cliff. But in actual fact, if something did go wrong, the consequences are very, very high. So risk versus reward there, you're, you're much higher on the risk scale versus the reward. Let's look at some of the reasons why we take risks. Maybe it's to impress our friends so you don't get left out. Peer pressure because you're bored for the adrenaline rush. So I can add a photo to my Instagram account. I'm young and invincible rebel against what I'm supposed to do, feel good and reap a genuine reward, look cool, okay? There's lots of social pressures there, little voices in our head that are coming into our decision-making process as to whether we are gonna go ahead and do something. What I'm gonna show you is some of the long, longer-term effects of a poor decision-making uh, in certain accidents that have happened around the coast. Um, and for young people, potentially life-changing. This is an example of uh, a student, Jack Cavanagh, who's really, really experienced uh, sports person uh, in the water. He was a windsurfer, a surfer, actually a trained lifeguard. And he was just on holiday in Portugal, um, just between his first and second year at university. And he was just with his mates on the beach and just decided to jump in and have a swim. But unbeknownst to Jack, uh, just off the shore, there was a submerged rock and he dived headfirst into it in really shallow water. Uh, it looked clear from the shore, looked clear from the beach. Um, and as a result, he suffered quite uh, traumatic spinal injuries and uh, he's unable to walk for the rest of his life. Really inspirational guy, hasn't let, him, let it define him in any way at all. Um, and he's become really active on social media uh, he was on Tommy Tiernan's show last year, um, speaking up and sort of saying, like, look, even when you have these accidents, um, you can still forge forward with whatever dreams you may have. And he indeed went on to finish his pharmacy degree. But the headline there in the paper, it certainly isn't the life that I planned, but it's the life that I have. So, you know, it's just a, a moment in time where just that little bit of risk taken, um, it was a five, 10 second process where I go, okay, I'm just going to jump in. It's a nice day. Beach looks clear. And then he had this accident that affected the rest of his life. We had really nice weather uh, about two Septembers ago. Um, two teenage uh, boys went for a swim up in County Derry at Lake. Um, it was one of those Indian summer days that seemed to happen whenever the schools start up again. And uh, they jumped in to cool off. One of them got into trouble. Uh, another one tried to swim out and help his friend. And they both ended up drowning, uh, which is quite a frequent occurrence. We call it double drowning, uh, where the person that's drowning actually becomes so desperate to save their own life, they'll push the other person down. And unfortunately, the, these two young boys uh, both were overcome by the conditions. So look, the message that we want to get out there is a moment for safety saves a lifetime of regret. So safety first, I know it's maybe counterintuitive on a nice day to, to just not run straight away into the water or to stand at the edge of that cliff, get that shot on a really stormy day of a big wave coming to batter you. But the problem is that we as an organization deal with the fallout from those bad decisions. And those bad decisions can actually be life-changing for families or for the young people themselves. If in doubt, don't go out. So listen to those little voices in your head. No matter how much preparation you do or how experienced you are, if a swim doesn't feel right or any particular coastal activity that you're engaging with, it, it doesn't feel right in your core. Listen to that voice, okay? Because that's your voice of experience. There's no shame in getting out of the water straight away or not entering at all. Um, bear in mind that whenever you see it, pictures of extreme sports around the coast, um, I used to work for Red Bull uh, prior to joining the RNLI and I managed their water safety uh, both in Ireland and internationally. Um, we did a lot of high profile extreme sports stuff. And what you see on the screen 
is completely different is to what is behind the scenes. So when you see a picture of a person surfing a really big wave, there's a massive safety team behind all of that. So you're reducing the risk right down to a very, very small level because if that person gets in trouble, there's a whole army of people there to save their life, including doctors, paramedics, we've got helicopters, we've got multitudes of rescue jet skis all in the background, okay? So it's all about risk management. Um, if you're just on your own somewhere and you don't know anything about the place and you're not really sure in your own ability, that's massive risk, okay? If you're at a lifeguarded beach and it's a really nice day and the area to swim in has been signposted, um, that's relatively low risk. So you, you, know, you can engage in your activity. So that's the mindset that we're trying to cultivate and that's what we'll explore when we come back after the break, the steps that you can take to keep yourself safe. That brings us to 11 o'clock, guys. So we'll see you back here at uh, five past 11. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Finn. See you in a few minutes, guys. RNLI Lifesaving, a lot has changed, including our lifeboats. From the rowing and sailing lifeboats of our early days to the water jet driven vessels of today, let's take a closer look at how far we've come. Over 40 different classes of RNLI lifeboat have been designed and built over the years. But the first purpose built lifeboat came before the RNLI. Called the original, it was constructed by Henry Greathead in 1789 and launched in 1790. Powered by 10 oars, it could carry 20 people, including a lifeboat crew of 12. These days, the RNLI have a team of in-house naval architects and engineers. Building on the RNLI's 200 years of life-saving knowledge and experience, they designed the newest class of lifeboat, the Shannon. Harnessing cutting-edge technology, Shannon-class lifeboats are very agile, maneuverable, and have a top speed of 25 knots. They have a specially designed hull and shock-absorbing seats to protect the crew in stormy seas. Crew safety is a very important factor in lifeboat design. In fact, one of the first improvements that was made to our earliest lifeboats was the ability to self-right. So if it capsized at sea, the lifeboat could turn itself back upright. In 1851, the Duke of Northumberland held a competition for the best lifeboat design. Out of 280 entries, James Beechin's design won. It's the first true, efficient, self-writing lifeboat, but the RNLI committee felt that it could be improved. So in 1854, a new design was drawn up and built by James Peake. It was known as the self-writer type. It could self-write within five seconds of being capsized thanks to its heavy keel, cork ballast and draining tubes. More self-writer type lifeboats were then built. They had similar design characteristics, but varied in size. All of the all-weather lifeboats in the RNLI fleet today are designed to be inherently self-writing. This is achieved by having their large, heavy items as low down in a boat as possible, and a wheelhouse that is light, strong, watertight, and full of air. Another feature of two of our modern lifeboats is water jets. The Shannon class and the E-class are both propelled by water jets instead of traditional propellers. The E-class was designed especially for saving lives on the River Thames in London and its water jets give it excellent manoeuvrability, precision and control. But the E-class wasn't the first RNLI lifeboat to be propelled by water jets. Back in 1890, six steam-driven lifeboats went into service. Three of them were hydraulic steam-driven lifeboats and had water jets instead of propellers. Between them, these three lifeboats saved 570 lives, but they were slow, heavy and expensive to build and maintain. Their development was soon abandoned, with the focus turning to petrol power. The first motor lifeboat entered service in 1905 with a single petrol engine and propeller. Petrol power gave the lifeboat crews extra power and control and gradually replaced the pulling and sailing boats. It also meant that lifeboat volunteers no longer needed a professional maritime background so it opened the door for lots more people to volunteer and join the crew, just like they can today. Today, the Seven Class is the largest lifeboat in the RNLI fleet. Seven Class lifeboats are each powered by two 1600 horsepower diesel engines. 
all-weather lifeboats, like the Seven and Shannon, are designed for offshore rescues in the worst conditions. But inshore lifeboats are a crucial part of the fleet too. They were first introduced to our fleet in the 1960s. Lots of people had started using the sea for leisure purposes, dinghy sailing, diving and inflatable airbeds. The number of call-outs for lifeboat volunteers increased dramatically as more people were getting into difficulty. But the large heavy lifeboats of the time just weren't designed for quick rescues in shallow, rocky waters. A simple, high-speed craft was desperately needed. After a lot of research, hard work and trials by Lieutenant David Stogden and Captain Tony Wicksteed, enter the D-Class, the first inflatable lifeboat. The early models were lightweight and had a top speed of 20 knots. From there, more inshore lifeboat models were developed, including the B-Class, the RNLI's first rigid inflatable lifeboat. Today, the D-Class lifeboat is known as the workhorse of the RNLI and can be found at just under half of all of our 238 lifeboat stations. They have a top speed of 25 knots and are perfect for rescues close to the shore. And our B-Class lifeboats are the busiest on the coast. Powered by their 215 horsepower four-stroke engines, they have a top speed of 35 knots. Our lifeboats have come a long way in the past 200 years. A lot has changed, but they all share the same purpose. Powered by kind donations, operated by selfless lifeboat volunteers, they are designed, made and launched to save lives.